Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 205 of the ETPC team podcast with myself and Becca. Hi Becca, how are you? Hello, I'm great. How are you both? I am great, thank you. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. I am just having one of those mornings, you know where you feel like you're on it. Yeah. So I need to make the most of it before it inevitably goes back to normal. <laughs> well, like, it's fine if it does. It's 10 a.m. and you feel like you've had a really productive morning. So even if it like calms down for the afternoon, like well done. Not that we base our worth on productivity, obviously. Oh, no, no, no. Never, never do that. But yeah. What's your secret, Anna? Oh, I wish I knew. I genuinely <laughs> wish I knew. I'm just going to take the wins as they come. <laughs> oh, I have been for a run this morning and that's about it. But it was delightful. I, I've been doing, I think I said on the last podcast, I've been doing like mindful running. And today I just swapped it out for Taylor because right now I'm just in a Taylor vibe because she's on tour. So my entire TikTok is Taylor fans. And so every time I open TikTok, I'm just like, oh, she's just great. She makes me so happy to be a woman. She's just like, just like, you're just great. It's just, yeah, very wholesome. So I've spent all morning singing out loud Taylor Swift. It's been a good time. <laughs> I can just imagine you running like singing at the top of your lungs. I, am. I do. I do. I mean, I... Fair, like I've never seen you run, but I just imagine it's going to be like Phoebe. I'm afraid. I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but that would that would just make my day. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you're not far off. Like, you're really not far off because I'm like, well, I'm never going to look like a serious runner, especially because I don't have running clothes. So I run in like you know, an old pair of glutey wear leggings that kind of fall down a bit that have lost their elasticity. And then like this jacket that I got when I used to work for Powerade as a sports scientist when I was 24. And it's like Powerade written on the back. And then my, cause my curly hair is all wild, that'll be bobbing around all over the place. Like I look, like I, I don't look as good as Phoebe does when she runs like a wild woman. Let me put it that way. Um, so yeah. it's a vibe. I think once you have a good sports bra, the rest will work. The rest will be yeah. fun. Sure. There's the leggings falling down. Do you not find that it takes so much energy? Yeah, you're, but I, you're tired afterwards. Not that I run that often, but yeah. Yeah, but I'm at the point in my life where I just leave them. So that like, I'll, I'll have like a saggy crotch and I'll be like, it's fine. <laughs> I'm quite the vibe, honestly. If anyone ever sees me running, um, it's not a good time. But I am having a good time and that's actually what matters. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get cracking on the questions. Anna, do you want to go first? Sure. How to add variety into food plan. So this client, when she says food plan, she schedules like plans out her meals for the week. Not anything that I've set, just to clarify. How to add variety. Yeah. Hmm. I think set yourself a little challenge of introducing maybe like two to three foods every week across the week. So even like different veggies that you ever haven't had in a while or um changing up your veg I think does a whole lot it can transform a meal can't it yeah just veg and fruit like if you're just like yeah. oh I normally buy apples maybe I'll buy nectarines <laughs> or like I know I always have blueberries and raspberries whereas now I have cherries and stuff and I'm like oh my yogurt seems so interesting and different <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah and changing toppings of things mm-hmm. can do a whole lot yeah I think, yeah I think the struggle struggle with it comes if you have a struggle with it comes from not knowing what you like anymore because you've maybe been mm. restrictive for so long so like you've always just eaten the same types of foods and so you when you go to the supermarket you just go to where you knew, you know that you need to go so it's just spending a bit of time down the aisle and for example this is me talking about my chickpea bags again but like for example if you go down the aisle it's got like rice and stuff and you would normally buy maybe you buy microwave rice could you buy like microwave greens instead or microwave like pulses like just think about the stuff that you normally get and then just switch out for an alternate version um or mm-hmm. if you normally buy 
seeded bread? Could you buy olive bread for a change? Like just try some different stuff. And and I think who cares if you don't like it? Then you can have something else. I think that that's, I remember working with someone once and she had this fear around trying different foods because she was like, I don't want to waste anything. And if I don't think I'm going to, if I don't know if I'm going to like it, then it, I get really frustrated because it's a waste. And kind of allowing yourself the grace to say, well, if I don't like something, I can, like, I won't buy it again. Or I can feed the ducks with that olive bread. Or I don't know if you can feed ducks olives. You know what I mean? (laughs) Giving yourself the grace to have a bit of food waste because it's not something that you do often. And that's okay. Yeah. I think the only, I mean, I saw Roz this week. She gets a veg box, doesn't she? And that might be a good one. Or just thinking, okay, like what's in season right now? Um, just as a way to introduce different things. Mm. Yeah. I keep putting feta into my salads and they oh. transform them. Oh. I love feta. Oh, that, <laughs> that is a great shout. That is a great shout. Mm. I, I saw That's something like... Good. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say like avocado fats and all those, even nuts and stir fries and stuff can transform them. Go yeah. ahead, what you saying? Like a peanut in a stir fry. Yeah. yeah. I saw something on Instagram this morning and it was somebody making like a scrambled egg thing with pesto and stuff and she and she put feta in it and then it was on like sourdough toast and I was like that's so simple and yet people don't do it but I think I think you put the nail on the head in the sense of two people are often like well I don't know the calories of that or don't feel like I've got I don't have the awareness of the calories of something so I'm not going to have it and maybe especially if you're moving away from tracking you're like well I'm just going to eat the foods that I know the calories or the energy content of or the macros of and it's like then you still you're still kind of hiding under that control in your intake but under the guise of eating more intuitively so challenging yourself to have something like feta or seeds and nuts where you often wouldn't have them when you're coming from a diet background or a restrictive background can be a really it can be challenging but a good challenge I think that's such a good point okay Becca question okay a lack of routine and structure can often trigger my all or nothing mentality around food. How can I learn to sit with the discomfort I feel on days when it's practically impossible to follow nutritional guidelines in brackets, protein with each meal, fruit and veg every three to four hours. I really struggle to deal with these messy, unstructured days with food. Oh, embrace the mess, my friend. <laughs> I think that, that would be like the, the meal guidelines, right? That's what I like to think of like as ideal in this is what I can do to support my health, my relationship with food, but some days life's going to get in the way. So rather than kind of thinking, well, it's all gone to pot now. Okay. Well, this meal isn't going to have my protein in. Okay. So tomorrow that's going to be my focus is to make sure that I hit that that meal guideline rather than fretting so much and thinking that like I said the day's the day's ruined because you've not hit that one target like it's it, yeah one day here and there not going to make a difference mm-hmm. I think I think learn like being objective about this and think sometimes it's actually helpful to catastrophize as much as we often say catastrophizing is a a unhelpful thought process pattern actually sometimes thinking of the worst case scenario can be helpful it's like okay well what worst case scenario don't eat enough protein for even a week worst case scenario what what does that mean literally nothing you will never notice in a month's time that you didn't eat protein for a week it's not it's not a thing so sometimes like we what like what does not being structured with these things actually mean to you like what are you making it mean it's not the lack of structure that is the problem it's the story that you're telling yourself about the lack of structure and then this probably ties into well then I'll feel like maybe I'll feel anxious or I'll feel uncertain or I'll feel out of control around things and it's like okay well is the issue really the food and finding control in your food or is the issue actually or the thing to work on actually your ability to sit with um being uncertain um and again nobody likes uncertainty like we all it's pretty universal that we all find it really uncomfortable and we all do things to try and feel more certain in an uncertain world but that's why like practicing things like meditation and and understanding the ideas of things like impermanence and non-attachment and accepting that everything is uncertain 
everything will change and the sooner we can get to the point of accepting that sort of stuff the sooner we stop trying to control everything and that's where this all or nothing mentality can often come from I think okay um there's an episode of Limitless with Chris Hemsworth where he tries no. a foot tries no, a no. where he tries a four day fast as part of a longevity biohack. It's something I've read about, but a lot of the information around fasting, limiting to one meal per day, and general nutrition hacks you hear about are are maybe pseudoscience and largely advertised by men. And likely the studies are done on male groups. Interested to hear your perspective as a team focused on women and as a group of people who might be more familiar with the research and whether it's true or false. Have you guys seen it? No. I mean, it's Chris Hemsworth, so obviously I was like, I'll give it a watch. And I just ended up getting really annoyed a lot of the time. Um, like I think some of it obviously it's very biased these people are there uh, he does I don't know how many episodes there are maybe like six lots of different things about um ways to prolong life um since he had well it's not a health scare he's found out that he's got the gene that makes him more likely to develop um dementia earlier on in life um and that's what this this series is about right he does fasting he does he's got Ross Edgley and they do like um Iceland open water swimming freezing cold um all sorts of all sorts of things and with the guy that that's fasting yeah yeah it's 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 very biased I think um listen anyone that says anything that's a biohack I would never trust it like that's generally my rule. Um, that's not to say that there's not some evidence behind some of the things that they say, but biohacking in general is this elitist way of coming at the people who are kind of walking well, who already do most of the things and are generally healthy um, and have like extra disposable income to spend on something that might add one day to your life potentially, but probably not. Um, so biohack I would generally avoid at all costs um, in terms of intermittent fasting there's no evidence in human beings that intermittent fasting prolongs life there's none um, there's some initial research in animal models which have not been replicated in humans um, rats are not humans they're, we can get some we can get some information from them but you know the research around that is not there um, what I tend to do is think about these things on a behavioural level, right? Of like, okay, so if there's some evidence and maybe rats, there might be something there, I'm not really sure. Okay, well, what would it look like as a whole person? Okay, right, Anna, you're going to eat one meal a day for the next year. Like, how is that going to impact your life? Oh, well, you know, you won't be able to eat with your partner anymore. Um, unless you starve all day, obviously, and then wait for them to come home and then you eat that one meal together. Okay, so that's probably going to mean that you're a bit like preoccupied by food during the day because you're hungry. So that might impact your work um, because you can't actually function properly. And what also might happen is that because you're only eating one meal a day, you're probably going to be pretty hungry. So chances are you're going to overeat that a little bit of dinner. You're going to be a bit mindless and you might eat way beyond fullness because it's the only chance of getting to eat. Um, what also might happen is that you might have that one meal a day in the evening because that's when your partner comes home the um something that we know physiologically happens is that our bodies are actually slightly less tolerant of carbohydrates in the evenings and actually if we were to do anything with our nutrition for our health the ideal thing would be potentially have more calories in the day earlier in the day and slightly less at night and so health-wise actually what you're doing there by having this one meal a day in the evening is flipping things on its head physiologically in terms of what is optimal so then when we take a step back it's like is this the right healthiest thing to do 100% not for pretty much everyone and um, I think in this program you've said he's done a four-day fast um again there's no evidence to say that fasting for four days is beneficial and again you can kind of extend that out in terms of what does that look like behaviorally if you do a four-day fast we know from intermittent fasting research that if you do 
Um, if people know that they're fasting for a day, they often will tend to overcompensate their food on the day before and the day after. And also they'll tend to undercompensate their exercise. So they'll tend to reduce their physical activity the day before and the day after. Um, so if you're thinking of doing a four day fast, realistically, what is that going to look like behaviorally for you before and after? Um, it's never something that I would recommend. The research isn't there to recommend it. And more often than not, the potential behavioral outcomes and potential psychological outcomes that come with it, it's just absolutely not worth it. Um, and then again, biohacking is just generally, I hate it. I've got a big bugbear about it. Okay, Anna, question. Um, if in a slight deficit, does hunger become less over time? So this client is doing gentle fat loss. Yeah, well, so you're likely going to be hungrier. No, well, some people are hungrier at the start of a deficit. So maybe the first week you might notice changes in hunger or let's say if you change your meal timings, if you're kind of um, widening the gap between meals and you're used to always eating at, let's say, 1pm, but now you're eating at 2pm, then you might find that you're hungrier, but you'll sort of adjust to that. Um, but also if in your if you're in a deficit, some hunger at some times, at certain times, is pretty normal and to be expected. Um but does it lessen over time? Mm. Yes, I know. Yeah, mm. I to I totally agree. Like the initial part is you're always quite hungry, and then once that once you get used to it, it's fine. Um realistically, I don't think it gets lower beyond that. Things that might happen are over time, what you see is like slight changes in um, hunger hormones and um, your neat levels and things like that. And they can have an impact on your hunger. Um, so, for example, our needs sort of naturally starts to reduce. So your expenditure naturally starts to go down. Um, so your hunger may slightly go down. But actually also what happens when we lose body fat is hunger actually starts to go up because we reduce our body fat levels and leptin is predominantly stored in our adipose tissue and released from our adipose tissue i.e our fat cells so as we lose our body fat our leptin levels start to go uh down and leptin is actually helpful in regulating our hunger reducing our hunger and also in um helping us feel satiated after a meal so the longer you diet and the lower body fat levels you have the more likely you actually are to be hungry um and there are there's lots of contributions to this. What you might find over time of dieting is that you get better at increasing your volume and you get better at increasing your protein and your fiber. And actually, so then you get better at managing your hunger or you get better at being more mindful or potential opposite. When you're super hungry, you're less mindful. So you eat quickly and then you get hungrier. So there's so many like potential contributors to it. But like you said, Becca, if you're dieting, you're going to be hungry sometimes. That's why I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was just thinking, I was like, no, I, I can't remember the last time I really like had to sit with sit with it. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Like the thing is, is it's when you've got when you're like losing body fat either for aesthetic goals or for your health, and um, getting comfortable with feeling hunger is really, really, really important. And there's just there's an inherent privilege that comes with, you know, the fact that we are in we do have healthy body fat levels so we don't have to sit with that hunger and but there is a power in, in being able to notice hunger and sit without without responding to it straight away now on the wrong ears that could sound like maybe saying you know ignore your hunger that's not what I'm saying but I think sometimes it gets a bit lost in like um like anti-diet messaging and stuff like that of like oh don't ever try to curb your hunger just eat and it's like, well, maybe, but if you've only eaten highly ultra processed foods all day, um, you're probably going to be hungry. But does that mean you should always honor that hunger as soon as it comes up? Probably not for a lot of people. Again, maybe if you're trying to gain weight, potentially there are so many different circumstances in that. But being able to sit with hunger is an important thing to be able to do without murdering anyone around you. And I think obviously important for fat loss but also important in um so many people that have struggled with overeating with binging have that fear of them becoming too hungry and 
initially obviously we work to re-establish and get used to kind of where that sweet spot of hunger for you is but then actually kind of building that trust in yourself that you can sit with it a little bit more and then still eat mindfully at your next meal mm-hmm. so so important absolutely uh, Becca how do I convince myself that I can change I've struggled with the same things my whole life what's different what's different this time this is making me smile because it's making me think of a client that I used to work with who I miss a lot and we used to have these conversations at the beginning of us working together and she left and is doing great things um I think it's less about convincing yourself and more about showing yourself um it kind of ties into this belief conversation that we've that I've been having recently on my emails and things like that of um one is it's very difficult to achieve your goals if you don't believe that you deserve them but it's also very difficult to achieve them if you don't believe that you can achieve them so rather than thinking maybe you've got let's say maybe you've got a fat loss goal right this fat loss is sometimes the easiest way to describe something um but you don't believe that you can lose 20 kilos that's going to benefit your health okay well do you believe that you can for a week go to the gym three times and do 8,000 steps every day and eat protein three times a day. Do you believe that you can do that? Okay, well then that's where we're focusing. That's the processes is what we're focusing on. And then after a week, you can say, look, I, I, I don't need to convince myself I can change. I've just shown that I can do that. And then you'll do it for a month and you can say, I've just shown that I can do that. And then you'll do it for another month. And in that month, you'll have a really hard time because life happens and you have a week where you overeat. And then the week after you go, okay, I'm going to get back, like back to focusing on my healthful habits and you're going to get through that. And you then you'll give yourself evidence that, oh, look, this time when I struggled, I did find myself overeating, but what I did was focus on what was going to make me feel best instead of over-restricting and being horrible to myself. And as a result of that, I'm still moving towards my goals and I've still improved my relationship with food. Um, So I think it's less about, like, I think sometimes we can like lie to ourselves and try and lie to ourselves to try and make our us ourselves believe something like again i use my wrinkles always as a prime example of this right i'm never going to be like oh my god i love my wrinkles so much every time i smile i just think oh it's never going to happen and if i say stuff like that to myself i'm just going to it's going to create a disconnect in myself because i'm going to feel inauthentic and it's the same with this if you're like i totally believe i can do all of this stuff and you don't like, I don't really buy into it. I think that's a bit kind of reductionist mindset coach. You can do anything that you put your mind to type of thing, which I don't really necessarily agree with. Yeah. It's already like a little experiment. You can go on to find the evidence, you know, to support the opposing core belief that you have. So your core belief at the moment is probably something like, I'll never change. I can't stick to anything. I'm just this person. So you need to go off and find the evidence that you actually aren't just that person that you absolutely can. I don't want to sound like a mindset coach here, but you <laughs> absolutely can. And if nothing changes, nothing changes. That's the whole thing. Mm. Um, yeah. But Enjoy the little experiment. Right. Is it my turn? No, I think it's fine. I think that was just your go. You just chill your beans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what do you do when you have chronic poor sleep? I'm not sure anyone in this conversation can relate to that and and are losing strength and muscle because you can no longer train or recover as well. I mean, that just hurt. (laughs) Did you write this question or? Uh, I I mean, maybe, maybe I dropped one in. (laughs) What, what would you say, like, Let's talk through strategies we we use with clients, and then if you're happy to do it, like what would you say that you found maybe helpful in terms of like when you've struggled with sleep? Um, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, one of the most important things is showing yourself some compassion, right? Of, of like this, like you're doing your best, and as obviously focus on your sleep hygiene. Make sure you're doing everything you can to support your sleep, the quality of sleep. So managing your blue light in the evenings, not having caffeine after lunchtime, keeping your room cool, sleeping with an eye mask on, 
maybe meditating or doing some yoga nidra before sleep um journaling maybe if you've got a lot on your mind um going to bed so that you're not super hungry but that you're not overfull. these types of things there will be more that you guys might be able to add into um make sure you're doing all those things to manage your sleep um but then showing yourself compassion of like you're doing your best with this and stressing yourself out over it is only going to impact your sleep more and then going to impact your strength and your health more so that's super important and i know that this is probably transient um it's not going to hopefully be chronically poor sleep even even if you were maybe a parent you know you've got maybe got five years of this but then i don't know i don't know what time they start to sleep and you have to get eight hours a night i don't know if that ever happens but hopefully that's not forever um so reminding yourself that it is a transient thing and it will pass Mm. um i think for me when it came to sleep the best thing i did was just accept like you said that it is yeah this is a rubbish night's sleep but rather than lying in bed and getting so worked up about it i'd maybe get up go to the loo have a drink but like just just ticking off things that might help um reading a few pages of my book and then trying to go back to sleep rather than like I said just lying there and be like tossing and turning huffing because you're so annoyed that you're not sleeping and it like it, do you ever like count down and you're like well if I fall asleep now then I'm gonna have but if I'm awake for another 10 minutes then that's even less sleep and like that just accept and then I think like you said the self-compassion side of things in yes there will be days where perhaps you really just don't feel up to going to the gym but find that middle ground in that movement's probably going to help how I sleep and actually getting outside uh, in the first part of the day is probably going to help your sleep later on so you might not have the energy to go to the gym but doing something is that's going to help you and then (laughs) I say this probably should practice it a little bit more in terms of like fear self-compassion and okay I'm not going to go and do my plan session but can I go and do two or three movements in the gym the weights might be lower than maybe I'd I'd programmed or was expecting to do but again just doing something for your body that you will again is going to help kind of potentially help sleep provided it's not super uh super close to um your bedtime um yeah it's a tricky one but ride through it <laughs> yeah I mean the practicalities of things like having potentially even intentionally programming shorter sessions or fewer sessions if you're maybe training five days a week before can you reduce that to three days a week 30 minute sessions so that when you go in you're kind of like okay I've only got to be power through this half an hour rather than powering through like five days of one hour sessions um so being practical in your programming and I'm sure that Steph will help you with this um but also doing things like having caffeine an hour before having um, some carbohydrates 30 minutes to an hour or so before making sure you've got your music there like so that you're really kind of in the zone ready to go in and do it and like you're making it a thing as opposed to um just putting it off and putting off because the longer you do that like the less likely it's going to happen I did that yesterday and I just I thought right I had a call in the morning I thought go straight after my call between this between now and my next call and then I didn't what I did was just kept having I kept saying I'll just have one more piece of toast because that'll give me like a bit more energy I'll just have one more you know I'm making a third calf coffees at home just have one more a third calf coffee and then by the time I got to the gym it was an hour and a half later than I normally would my session was so crap and I thought done all this stuff of like making sure I have I had extra toast and all of these things and realistically I just because I just told myself I kept putting it off by the time I got there mentally I was just like I'm not really here and sometimes so it's just really about thinking right I'm going to do it this time and I'm going to be really intentional with it which is hard when you're tired I know and a question sticking on the training theme if you're short on time for a workout, what are the non-negotiable moves to get the most out of the time? 
uh, there aren't really any non-negotiables things that I would include would be like a squat pattern ideally I would do a full body session and I would do um, a squat pattern a hinge pattern thrust Uh, ideally I would do a vertical press and a horizontal press um, and then maybe a pull uh, that would be that would be it um if you've got the time to do those things and in terms of pulling I mean it depends like that's me personally and for most women that I program it would be like that um with slightly less emphasis on pull movements and more on push usually because of people's preferences um but you could you could change that like around a little bit and realistically it's not going to matter if for one session you're not doing all of those like pat- movement patterns mm. kind of like brush off pt brain am i am i right antagonistic is that what i mean with supersets so it'd be like maybe you superset yeah no that would work <laughs> superset like a chest press and a row or split squat and a rdl so you're hitting like alternative alternative muscles that aren't going to fatigue too much in that superset and obviously supersets going to keep things nice and short and sweet yeah don't superset like i'm trying to think of an example don't superset like a shoulder press and a chest press for example like you want to yeah um or or you can superset obviously upper and lower an absolute favorite um okay becca question hey I'm committing to prioritizing my relationship with food and spending time with my family at the moment and putting fat loss on hold. How do I get get myself to stop thinking about this decision and even second guessing it? First of all, manage your expectations. If you've been thinking about being in a smaller body for 20 years, taking a step back from that for a little while is going to feel very awkward and very you're going to think what what do I fill my head with if I'm not thinking about these things and this is kind of a really really nice example of what happens when you've been preoccupied by food or your body for so long it's like where do I fill this what do I fill this space with now because I'm still preoccupied by it because I'm not doing it um so it's really nice that you've got this awareness and I I think personally I would focus on what are you going to fill your head with instead so you're prioritizing your relationship with food and spending time with family. So what does that look like? Because spending time with family will support your relationship with food. So maybe instead of thinking about dieting, you spend that time thinking about, okay, well, what one nice thing can I do for my brother today? Or I don't know, or what one thing can I do to enhance my relationships today? And actively when you find yourself having those thoughts, what can you like what can you replace that with and what can you focus on maybe you'll plan something that you can do with your family or maybe you can start a new hobby or do something but it's about filling that space because being preoccupied by food in your body has filled that space for so long it's easier to go back to thinking about that than it is to be thinking about something else okay um i have found myself since oops sorry I have found myself since regaining my cycle battling with the idea that now is my opportunity to jump straight back into some form of diet to change the way I look as this is what I struggle with most but I also know that what I really need to do is allow myself to stay here and let the body do its thing I would love to know how you would advise someone in that mental headspace to maintain focus and attention to letting things sit and heal I suppose not getting too ahead of yourself now, this big thing you have been waiting for is now achieved. Should we let the period wizard <laughs> go first on this one? Yeah. Um, I haven't been called that for a while. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, like that line you've written about, allow myself to stay here and let the body do its thing, kind of like sums it up really well. It's like, you're you have to stay where you are and let the body do its thing before you make any changes or else you go back to where you were realistically um well at least if you go back too soon that is and the thing is in order to get to know your cycle again you need to give it time 
see the patterns. So at least like six months of tracking it to know how long your cycles are or how short they are, or if there's any changes happening to it. So for example, let's say if your luteal phase is getting shorter, that would be a bit sometimes be an indication that, you know, there is some interruptions happening within your cycle. Um, so you just need to familiarize yourself with these things. And you didn't do all this hard work to just go back to where you were. You know, that was never the intention. Um, but it's hard, let's be honest. And a lot of the time people enter HA recovery with the mindset of I just what I do, got to do what I got to do to get my period back. And then at least I can just carry on my life as normal. But we need to keep reminding ourselves that we're not going back to what got you in the situation in the first place. Um, yeah. I mean, how are you going to feel? How are you going to feel in a year's time if you've gone straight back into a diet and you lose your period again? And in a year's time, you're back to where you were before you started doing this work um, with Becca. And I think always looking at your future self or even in six months time, if you lose your period again, like how are you going to feel? Um, and keep coming back to that and reminding yourself of why you're doing this. And I think also really thinking about now, like how can I learn to appreciate the body that I'm in? She's functioning well now. She's got her period. Like that's amazing. How can I continue to treat her in a way that is respectful? And that might be not dieting. That might be, okay, well, right now, got bigger boobs so I'm gonna buy myself some clothes and a push-up bra and I'm gonna really enjoy that part of things or um you've got a, a bigger butt so you're gonna enjoy that time of things like it, because sometimes I think saying never focus on the aesthetic is not necessarily helpful um and it's okay to like find out or maybe your skin right now is thriving because your hormones are regulated and so your hair is thicker or your hair is um uh, but it's stronger or your skin is more glowing or your personality is better or your sex drive is better all these things that have come along with you getting your period back or will continue to come along if they haven't quite caught up yet can you focus on and be intentional with all of those things why don't you make a list of all the things that either have come back or have changed with regaining your period um whatever those things are or things that you're hoping that still will come back and then maybe another list of like okay well how am I going to celebrate these things is it buying like a different item of clothing or is it dating more or um, is it buying a new vibrator or whatever it may be? Like think about how you're going to celebrate those things. Yeah. yeah I think like just, I was going to say bask, maybe maybe that's not, not what I mean, but you have just done something absolutely incredible and it won't have been an easy journey. So rather than kind of, I mean, this isn't just HA related. This is everybody, I think, is guilty of this with always thinking of the next thing. Like, just enjoy where you're at right now. Because like you said, like I said, you've just done something absolutely incredible and your body's going, yeah, do you know what? I'm like, I'm feeling it. I'm great right now. Like, own it. Yeah, I think with HA recovery as well, I think this highlights how important it is to like work on the purpose the behaviors were serving you otherwise you're going to want to go back so the reason you have a pull to go back to let's say restricting or maybe getting leaner again is because it was serving some purpose for you when you were doing that so that's why the mindset side of it and getting going a bit deeper with it um and trying to recognize what that is is it self-worth is it you know part of your identity is it to feel enough in because you don't feel enough in other areas or is it to control something when something else feels out of control so getting quote unquote curious about it all um is required throughout ha recovery and that's what we're doing so we're on the right track excellent anna question what do you do when you wake up already feeling a bit off i'd love to be able to bounce back quickly oh <laughs> <laughs> you relate back i know <laughs> No, my mom said one time, and I was—I always find it funny. She's like, "If you're having one of those mornings where you wake up, just go to the mirror and like do a fist pump and say that you've got this." And uh, it's just the vision of her fist pumping in the mirror it just gets me every time. But it's so true. It's like I swear your mom just gets cooler with the more I hear about her. <laughs> She's like, "Just fist pump your way through." But yeah, I mean, 
how you start the day like if you're if you tell yourself I'm having the worst day ever this is going to be terrible like the likelihood is it is going to be um so those affirmations that like sound ridiculous sometimes but they can be so powerful in the morning just even something neutral rather than saying I'm wonderful I'm beautiful I'm gonna like nail the day just something neutral like this is hard but I can get through this because I've done this before and it's not going to be as bad as I think it's going to be like neutralizing it realistic is what I tend to do I agree I think gratitude can be really helpful in those moments of just it can be hard but finding like for example if you're waking up and you're like say I woke up and I thought um oh I've got to travel to London today all the way to London today and I'm so tired to do this podcast I don't really want to do and that even in saying it out loud makes me uncomfortable but if I had say woken up like that and be like well I'm so grateful that my job is like getting to impact the people that listen to this podcast without me ever meeting them and um, I'm grateful that I can get a coffee on the train and all of these things gratitude is just incredibly powerful so I would always I would always focus on that and something I've brought back recently is in the mornings and at nights doing my gratitude room in my bed Um, I find that really nice and I started bringing back I think I said this on the podcast that I'd stopped doing my thank you for being alive but I've started bringing that back so when I wake up in the morning I say thanks for being alive um because you just never know and I think that's great I like to put on like Taylor Swift or Little Mix or something when I'm making my coffee and I and I put it really loud and I sing it off of my lungs and that's a treat for the neighbours um but I find that quite good um I will I'll always try and meditate or something, but it's really about like what is good for you in that moment. Um, like what will help you kind of gather yourself. Maybe you need a bit of release, and that might be what Taylor Swift does for you. Um, or maybe you just need to kind of remind yourself and get some perspective, and that might be what gratitude or maybe a bit of journaling would do for you. Or maybe it's like you text your best friend and tell them how much you appreciate them, and you do something kind. Maybe that's going to be something for you so it's just or maybe it's a fist pump in the mirror whatever yeah. it is it's just about finding your thing of like okay I know that's going to set me off and you're so right Becca in the sense of like if you tell yourself I'm having a bad day you're going to have a bad day it's the same as if you say oh my god I'm so busy then you're going to spend your whole day running around like a blue arse fly trying to catch up with yourself and realistically it's like you're going to get it done you always get it done and if you don't what's what's the worst that's going to happen just because you don't get it done um and of course I know there are some exceptions in that, in that and that there's some bad things really could happen but realistically just manage yourself talk around that yeah I think what can add to it as well sometimes is if you're not in good form and you're like why am I in good form why am I in good form I should be happy you know I should just be like love I love my job I should just get on with it and be happy but that can really exasperate things. So sometimes acceptance of, okay, I'm not in good form. I don't feel great can actually be the game changer in it. So yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. That. That's, I mean, that's the route that I was going down or thinking Becca is that like, it's okay to have those days where you don't feel greatest. And for me, that's like a sign. Okay. Well, what can I do this day to really look after myself? Um, not necessarily like not forcing and obviously neither neither of you have said anything that's like forcing positivity but not forcing it just allowing it but really like honing in on the self-care and the nurturing side of things um, just to give my body what she needs. Totally agree like this will pass and it sometimes the frustration comes from this, this idea that you're supposed to be like happiness looks like having a good day all the time it's the same as the body image thing that a good body image looks like loving the way your body looks like that's just not the case and it might not even just be a day it might be a month where you're like I'm just feeling blah I just don't feel great and as soon as you just go okay well I'm not going to try and fix it I'm going to reflect on it and see if there's anything that I can change that I, that, I, that is kind of asking to be changed and I'm going to sit with it until that becomes obvious and then whilst that happens you know, I'll get earlier nights, I'll treat myself to some nice food, I'll do these things until this passes. Becca. Mm-hmm. Has anyone in the coaching group had a chronic injury? And has that changed your perspective on diet and exercise to health instead of aesthetics? Or do you have a mix of aesthetics and health when you train? I have a knee injury and want to lose weight to reduce the joint load. Um. 
I mean, I've coached loads of clients who have chronic pain, back surgeries and um, knee pain. And um, obviously in people who are with, with people who are in larger bodies, this does become more prominent. So it's quite a common thing that I think we've all probably worked with people in this situation. Um, and I know that it can be frustrating. And I think often what you see is people go through a phase of body annoyance of like my body's failing me. You see this a lot too with like pregnancy loss and things like that. It's like you're pissed off at your body. But then once you move through that phase and you focus on body functionality outside of these things and appreciation, that shifts into, well, I'm just so grateful that I can do what I can do now because six months ago I couldn't even do that. And so you do, it does seem to be this phasic response of struggling with that and then starting to find it actually flips on its head. Um, I've, you know, I've had bilateral hernia surgery where I couldn't train, I couldn't lift like a bag of shopping for six weeks and, and then had to basically start from scratch in the gym. And I remember going under a barbell and I was so scared that I cried because I was too scared to even squat a barbell in case something happened. And that took me quite a long time to work through that. And I have a hernia now. And I like, I don't know when we did a training library the other day, I was like, there's certain movements like I won't do it either because it's visible or because I can't do certain lifts because it exacerbates things. So I don't deadlift anymore, for example, or I don't barbell squat anymore. Um, I never talk about it because I just think everyone's got something most of the time, especially as we get older, but also the longer you've been training or the longer you've been out of training, like both, right? The longer you've been training, the more likely you are to have um, issues with like maybe joints and stuff. Um, although on the whole, it keeps your body healthier. And if you haven't really exercised, the more likely you are to have the same. So I think it's kind of one thing that's really important is trying to recognize that a large proportion of us have something going on that means that our, we're not able to train necessarily the way that we would like or the way that we used to. And it's just like, it is what it is. And coming to acceptance of like, of that, of it is what it is can be quite a powerful thing it's like okay well what can I do because focusing on what you can't do it doesn't get you anywhere I'm, I'm not gonna I, I love we used to love sumo deadlifts but I don't go into the gym every day thinking oh I really want to do a sumo deadlift look at that girl like what's the point it's just okay well what else can I make we'll do that's relatively fun um and just focusing on that I think is helpful okay this is George's question. I know emotional eating when you have emotions that make you feel negative is not always ideal, but is the true same for positive emotions and eating? For example, celebratory meal, treat for finish, finishing a project that was hard but rewarding. I assume it depends on your mindset and what exactly it is, but I find I can spot negative emotions and know if I emotionally eat as a result. I don't always stop myself from doing so, but find it harder to see when it's positive emotions. If I've like understood it correctly, like so it's so easier to notice when it's the the more uncomfortable feelings when it's emotion, right? So often, obviously, that is when you overeat because you're trying to avoid, distract, numb how you're feeling. So that's when it becomes more mindless. But with those kind of positive emotions I think when it comes to food like a celebratory meal out is it just the food or is it the people that you're with and like actually kind of celebrating together as a whole of whatever that occasion might be um it's a, it's a tricky one because I think that that sort of thing with the celebratory meal like I I absolutely love but I am mindful as well that I definitely fall into, I'm just going to reward myself with a bar of chocolate because I've had a really long day and you did a really great job. <laughs> like That's okay sometimes, but equally I know that I'll feel just as good like having a soak in a bath or, or something like that that will give me those same feelings. Anna, you're not a dog. You don't need to reward yourself with food, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Look, childhood, okay? 
Oh, do you remember that that meme that used to always go around? Ugh. I have a dog, okay? Let me have my pizza. It's up there with, something. It's up there with the don't eat like an asshole. Yeah. Time, I think. I used to say that, like, probably about three years ago, I'd be like, oh, I just don't eat like an asshole. And now I'm like, oh, that was not a helpful thing to say. But at the time, well, when you know better, do better. And all that. I um, totally agree. I think... It's hard with this because I don't 100% understand the challenge with it in the sense of it's totally okay to emotionally eat sometimes, whether it be in response to positive or negative emotions. Generally, when we look at emotional eating in the literature, we define emotional eating in response to negative emotion, emotional states. Um, and I use negative kind of colloquially in that no emotion I don't think is, is positive or negative. And I like to think of emotions as relatively neutral um, and more like a data point as opposed to like a way that we must feel um but that's a philosophical thing for another day um it's probably you're probably harder to find yourself in the moment in terms of quote unquote positively emotionally in um because you don't equate it to a bad thing and sometimes we hyper fixate on all the things we do wrong and so if you don't think emotionally eating in response to a positive thing is a is in, is wrong or bad you're probably not really thinking about it as much. That's probably why you, fi- you find it a little bit more challenging. But my question, I suppose, would be, I think it's great that you're getting curious about all of these things and you're um, trying to decipher what's helpful for you and what's not. But my question would be, like, is this, is this a negative thing for you in the sense of, is it having a negative health outcome? Is it leading to guilt or shame? Is it, um, is it, mind sometimes mindless eating is fine sometimes too I think that's the thing but is it you know are you overeating mindlessly regularly in response to these things in which case yeah like let's look at this and add a pause and think about other ways that you can reward yourself or meet yourself in that moment with joy there are so many other things that you can do but if it's just like a healthful response to something like it's that's also absolutely okay the I suppose the thing is is if you still are strengthening this relationship between good feelings and food and bad feelings and food, then we don't want to keep um, strengthening that relationship. But I've thought about this before in terms of kids and how, you know, when like you celebrate a birthday by cake and all of these things. And I've always thought as I've got older, like, is that something I would do with, well, obviously I've celebrated birthdays with cake, but I always thought, okay, well, as long as there's a balance there with kids of, you know, sometimes we celebrate with cake and, food and all of these things and then other times we celebrate by going to the park and it's just about having all of these different coping strategies in, in place and the same is true as if you're an adult I think okay we're gonna leave it there thank you so much for your questions everyone keep them coming in thank you both so much thank you. bye thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed it and As always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.